the Wiz Kids and Want It, Bobby Thompson and Planet, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. Talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella. Talking baseball, the man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. Welcome back to the Coach and Kernan Show. This is episode 85. Real Voices of the Game. It's November 14, 2022. I'm your co-host, Dave D'Agostino. I'm joined by America's most beloved sports writer, Kevin Kernan, our Hall of Famer, and our favorite scout, Colorado Rocky, Will George. We are excited today. We, we have a, a wonderful guest uh, to share with us baseball stories to cover names like Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Warren Spahn, Eddie Matthews encounters with the babe um you guys are going to sit back and enjoy these these stories uh, we have we're fortunate to have ray crone senior here with us to join us on the show uh, give you a little background on ray uh signed in 1949 by the boston braves played with the milwaukee braves in the bigs from 54 to 57 and moved on to the new york san francisco giants 57 58 experienced a 50-year-plus career as a coach and a scout, Expos, the Orioles, the Padres, the Diamondbacks. Um, and also in the background, just so just so the audience knows, we have his son, Ray Crone Jr., who's scouted with the Orioles, the Red Sox, currently with the Tigers. Uh, but, Ray, welcome to the show today. We're, we're so excited to have you. Okay, thanks. Glad to be here. Give you um, – and uh, I know, Will, you wanted to say a few words about Ray before we started going with the questions. Yeah, I – you know, for – you know, this being my 47th year, and I've always told you guys how uh, relationships and people that we meet uh, make impacts on our lives. Ray's one of those guys. I first met him as a young pitcher, uh, 19-year-old in Instructional League in 1978. We lost our uh, pitching coach, and he was brought in by Tom Giordano, one of my other mentors in the game, to be our pitching coach. And then you know, uh, got a chance to have a former major league pitcher work with us. Uh, his foundational smart things that we always talk about on here were taught, uh, teaching people how to pitch. And then, you know, as my life moved on, I was a minor league pitching coach with the Orioles and Ray was one of our scouts. I knew whenever Ray drafted and signed a pitcher that uh, they were drafted and signed because they knew how to pitch and had a chance to pitch in the big leagues. And uh, then I got into scouting and uh, would always be uh, happy to see him at a ballpark where we could just sit and talk about baseball and continue to learn the game. And he's a great guy and uh, not only friends with him, I'm very close with his son, Ray Jr., who's I guess between the two of them, they're pushing near 100 years in, in professional baseball now, and Ray's still a really good scout, and I'm really excited to have him on today. Well, those are those are great. Uh, it's a great background, and I'm glad the audience understands the connection that, that you have because I think that'll come out to give this a special interview. I enjoyed yesterday talking with, with uh, both Ray and Ray on the phone, and um, Ray, if it's okay, I wanna I wanna throw a couple dates at you because I was amazed at your recall on specific dates and, and outcomes. But what's so significant about May twenty fourth, nineteen fifty four? Take you back to Wrigley Field. 
Oh, that was my first start in the big leagues. Uh, you know, we played double headers a lot, a lot of Sundays. And this was a Sunday double header in Wrigley Field. And uh, I guess I made my debut in uh, 54 opening day in Cincinnati. And uh, uh, manager brought me in. You get a couple of guys out, and then they pinch it for me. So uh, Hank Aaron and I made our debut that day. But anyway, uh, going on into the season, I guess I was in some games in relief. I can't remember much about it. But finally, uh, that Sunday, we had a doubleheader against the Cubs, so I was I started the game, first game. And uh, it was a big success. I had a uh, shutout in nine innings. We were ahead two to nothing. And I think I walked a guy, hit a man on, and uh, oh, what's his name? Came Ernie Banks. Of course, that was his first year, I think, and we didn't, nobody knew he was the kind of ball player he was going to be. But anyway, I think I hung a slider and he put it into the center field seat, tied the game up. So uh, in those days, I would, if, if it was in, in now in this era, I probably wouldn't have gone past the sixth inning. They were taking me out. I I pitched so many pitches, they say. We didn't count pitches in. So anyway, uh, and we didn't have a bunch of guys in the bullpen that a a manager could call on. So anyway, even though the game was tied, uh, I came up to bat in the tenth inning. And I think I got a hit or something. But anyway, we got runs in the 10th and won the ball game. And that was, that would have been unusual nowadays that I would come up to it in a bad game in the extra inning. So yeah. start, starters are lucky to throw that many innings in a week now. Yeah. <laughs> That's two games and 11, 11 inning win in a, and a uh, starting debut. That's phenomenal. I've got one more, and then I, I want to want to turn you loose on Will, with Will and Kevin. Uh, we talked a little bit about the day you signed um, your contract, and Will was kind enough to send me the letter. Uh, I got a copy of the letter that that you uh, the scout wrote you, and I thought it was wonderful. But I thought it was a, it was an interesting story about. Obviously, the scout was happy to sign you, but there there was an interesting quandary that he was going through on that day also with another potential prospect. Do you remember that story? Yeah, this was uh, the day after I graduated from high school. And uh, Bill Mon was a scout with the Braves. He had been, he had been uh, following me through the, through the years. And uh, this was before, of course, the draft, when everybody was on their own. All the scouts were on their own. They didn't have all this other information coming in. So I was told that the veteran scouts, like this was the Southeast 
of the country, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Louisiana. Uh, I was told that these guys had no, uh, the only way to keep keep track of their prospects was uh, pick out four or five guys that they really liked and they, they kept on them for most of the season. So uh, I don't know how many times mom had seen me pitch, but uh, I had other scouts that I knew were in the area, but nobody came up to really offer me anything. So anyway, my dad and I were on the front porch and he come up from Coleman, Alabama, which was a couple of hours. And uh, there was no discussion. We, uh, I was going to want to sign. My dad was fine with it. I had no, uh, I had no college offers because colleges in those days didn't play a lot of ball games. And anyway, I wasn't interested in college, so he offered me. We didn't di- we didn't dicker at all. He was going to give me six thousand dollars, and I signed with, which was kind of weird, but I I signed with. Milwaukee, which was the Braves' triple-A team in those days. So I didn't sign a major league contract, but a triple-A contract. So they gave me $6,000, which was the limit in those days. If you gave a kid more than $6,000, he had to be on the major league roster the next year. Wow. So there was no... There was no reason to uh, for us to get into that. It was good money back then. What, what yeah, you? you were a bonus baby, Ray. Yeah, right. Who was the guy who – I know there, there, was a, well, I there was a there was a Hall of Famer that the guy was – a potential Hall of Famer that the, the, the scout was wanting to sign. Do you remember that part of the story? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, anyway, we were sat there a while, and uh, – told me where they'd probably send me and all that business. So he said, well, I got to get moving. Uh, I've got, I'm sure he, I'm sure the way he said it was, uh, I have this colored boy in, in Birmingham and I'm following. <laughs> and uh, turned out to be Willie Mays. <laughs> wow. So they debuted with Hank Aaron, signed on the, well, didn't end up signing them, but well, in those days, Willie Mays was playing with the Black Barons, which was a Negro League team. Yeah. So you, uh, the scouts had the teams had to dicker with the the Negro League teams, not the players. So Willie Mays probably got they probably got they probably gave Birmingham like four thousand dollars for Willie Mays. So I got more than Willie did. <laughs> more than Willie. Fantastic. And Willie probably didn't see a penny of it. <laughs> no, that's right. So he went to, uh, they sent him to, it went, so he was, he was uh, born in April of 31, and I was born in August of 31. So we were basically the same age. Wow. I think he went to Trenton 
in b-ball then he went in the service a couple of years and then he came out in 1951 and he was part of that miracle giant team yeah so he made it a little quicker than i did wow <laughs> yeah great connections there we'll go ahead you i know you wanted to no no kevin kevin you want to jump in yeah yeah sure um Ray, we were in San Diego at the same time, obviously. Kevin Towers, you signed him. His birthday just passed. Uh, just give us a little breakdown of, you know, I mean, the people you've met, I, you know, we touched on it, you know, and there's, there's a million of them besides that. I mean, you're on the Giants. We've got young guys, so Cepeda, Bill White, Felipe Alou. But uh, in the two years with uh, Willie in 1957, I think, and 58, uh, Willie – Willie hit like uh, 333 over those years with, you know, just, just crushed it. Um, but Kevin Towers was a special guy in a lot of ways. Tell us about your relationship with Kevin Towers and how you, and you found him and signed him. Yeah, well, I met Kevin Towers and, well, I, I saw him pitch and he was uh, a uh, San Diego farmhand and, uh, when I was scouting in Louisiana, uh, they had Beaumont in the Texas League. So I saw Kevin pitch. But uh, it was all just scouting. I didn't, I didn't probably know him really. Then later on, he had a sore arm and he started scouting with the Padres. And I got to know him just scouting in the area of Texas and Louisiana. So when he got the job as a general manager, he looked me up and asked me if I, want, if I could come and scout the big league for him. So that was, that was a big thing for me. That was a good hire by Kevin. <laughs> well, let's hope so. You know, Ray, uh, just briefly on Kevin, I, you know, we all been in the game a long time and I got to play a little bit with Kevin with San Diego when I finished up my career. And I've gone on, you know, to be in the game a long time with and met guys that I played with and against and they were scouts like Kevin. Kevin was the one guy who never changed, never became overly uh, arrogant and yeah. with, 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 with who he was as a general manager and how good he was. Right. He was the same guy his whole life. And I always loved and respected that. And that's why, you know, when we lost him a few years ago, it was, uh, a lot of us, you know, felt the pain because he was one of the really, really good ones. Yeah. No telling what he would have gone on to do. Yeah. Yeah, I know he was working with the Yankees, and I used to see him a lot in spring training. And I always used to say, "Gosh, I hope you get back in the chair somewhere because we need people like you." Because we were kept evolving away from guys like Kevin, and uh, we certainly miss him. That's for sure. Yeah, it's just uh, he he went from the Padres. He went to a beggar job with the pod for the Pirates. Yeah. And uh, he never, like you said, he never changed. He never right. big big-time guy or anything. Yeah. But yet, 
he he just folded into that job like he'd been there for years. Right. Now, now, Ray, I wanted to ask you, I know you and I both know T-Bone, and uh, he did a lot of bragging about the year that he beat out Hank Aaron for the home run title. Yeah. Now, I think he might have – was he playing in Savannah where it was about 240 to the field line? They played at Grayson Field, which was a converted baseball uh, – football team. Okay. So left, left field was like – Two thirty or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think uh, T Bone embellished that a little bit because he and Hank Aaron tied with twenty three. I think. Okay. Well, and Hank Aaron probably got promoted two months earlier too. <laughs> no, no, they didn't do that. Uh, okay, they they were there the whole season. That's right. That's when guys used to stay someplace the whole season, so they actually could develop from on the uh, the way it should be done instead of moving all over the place like they do now. Right. Yeah, I was there for. Uh, I had thirty one start. I found this out later on the back of my rookie, the tops card. Uh, I was nineteen and eleven that year. Wow. And uh, it's 250 innings. Wow. And I was in 33 games. I had 31 starts. Figure this out. I was 1911, which is 31, right? Right. So I got I got that many decisions. I didn't get any freebies. No. No, that's, you know, uh, we all used to have many more decisions because – we went deep. I know in, I think, 82, I threw a hundred or 258 innings in, in Miami. We went to a four-man rotation, and I loved it because four-man, I, I thought I had better feel for all my stuff and better command of the strike zone pitching every fourth day. Yeah. And, and you know, you stayed around in games because you pitched more to contact. You didn't try to throw every pitch as hard as you can and strike every guy out. So. Well, then uh, we were in the playoffs, and I pitched another game, 14 innings, and also another nine in the game. Wow. And I'm sure the people in the front office weren't going in there every day and saying, hey, we got to promote Ray Crane. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Uh, you know, Dave, Dave reminded me uh, to, to re- tell our people or listen who T-Bone was. T-Bone was Tom Giordano, uh, a longtime player, uh, scout uh, from uh, – was born in New Jersey and grew, uh, lived in Long Island, New York. And uh, he was actually the first scout from the Orioles to see me. And uh, – and was the scouting director when I signed with the Orioles and longtime man in baseball. And we lost T-Bone, I think it's almost three years now, uh, two and a half uh, years, two and a half years ago uh, when he was 92 years old. But uh, he was uh, a character of the game who could make us all laugh. And, uh, uh, you know, I know Ray had a longtime relationship Ray Jr. and Sr. and 
uh, off the air, Ray Jr. and I can tell some great stories about him and the Dominican. So, yeah, he, he was a famous. Hey, he was a famous eater. Oh my gosh, I'd say he he loved to eat. That's all you know. I no, mean, not only that, he loved to cook. He was yeah, telling, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he would go into a motel and take over the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I. Uh, you know, one year with Cleveland, we had an organizational meeting and uh, we were in a restaurant. And because I like to cook, I ended up back in the kitchen and him and I were cooking food out of a restaurant's kitchen for our organizational meeting. And then Ray will tell you every day him and I would go go to the market in the Dominican, buy fresh food and cook up pasta and chicken and meatballs and things like that. And uh oh, uh, just about every day and uh, all the scouts would come over and eat because they knew that the food was fresh and they wouldn't end up with diarrhea. It was amazing what you guys would cook on just a, like a, a two-burner hot plate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, two-burner. You know, we'd have – his room was right next to mine. We'd have the doors open. My my, my room was like uh, was like a sweat box. I, one year, right, Ray, you – you came in and you go, oh my gosh, it's like a tropical rainforest here. The air, conditioned, uh, the air conditioner didn't work very good. And then I was cooking in there, so it was always really warm. But, uh, you know, these are the stories that, that, that we all love from our lives in baseball. Well, Ray, you, um, you, Ray what was your repertoire on the mound? Um, what, what were you serving up on the mound when you came up and then did a change over time? What was your pitching? What was well, your pitching? I pitched a normal fastball, curveball type stuff. And uh, I did that until I went to spring training with Atlanta. And uh, in 1953, I went to spring training with the Braves, and they let me off in Atlanta when they went on up to Milwaukee. And I was there for two weeks. Let me see. Right, hand me that. Book. Uh, I don't think of the manager that was there. Oh, Gene Mock. Oh, you guys remember Gene Mock? Yeah, he never liked pitchers. All right, so he was uh, he was brought in by Earl Mann, the GM at Atlanta, to, to manage. That he was like twenty four years old. It was his first job of managing, and uh, the Braves left me off in Atlanta to finish their season. So I was there like a couple of weeks. Pitched four innings, and he sent me out to Jacksonville. But I was three years of A ball I was in. I was kind of pissed off. <laughs> but in those days, you had you had no no way of of protesting. So anyway, uh, 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 Oh God! What's his name? Fowler. Uh, Art Fowler taught you a slider, right? Art, uh, yeah. Art Fowler was a 
perennial minor league guy, and uh, he was aging even in those days. So anyway, he taught me the slider on the sidelines, and that transformed my pitching quite a bit. That's, wow. when, that's when I went. I used that. I was using that in a couple of weeks in Jacksonville, and that's that's why I had that good year. So you went to the bigs with the fastball, the curve, and the slider. Yeah. Um, I, I in, in some of our early conversations, names like Rogers Hornsby, Trish Speaker came up. You had some contact with them as well as as coaches. What, what kind of things did you learn from them and what kind of coaches yeah. were they for you? I have to say that that's one of the big things I regret because I didn't go up to those guys and, and just get – Get them in conversation and tell stories. So really, those were guys that I knew from my childhood, and were a lot of them were Hall of Famers. But I really, I didn't really get involved with those guys. They were Ray. Ray was Bill Terry your high school coach? Hall of Famer Bill Terry, Terry? Was high school coach, because his. His son was on our Christian Brothers team, and uh, but he came out in a suit and hat, and you know he wasn't he wasn't all that uh, active in the out in the. Spe- uh, speaking about somebody else with a hat, uh, you played in uh, in uh, Cuba when when Castro was running around. What was that experience like? Yeah, I was with Toronto. We were opening day. We had opening day in Havana. That was in forty fifty nine, and uh, we got to the ballpark, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting. Found out we were waiting for uh, Castro to show up. He was supposedly a a big time ball player, but I think that was over overdone. I mean, he probably played baseball as a youth, but I don't know if he was a prospect or anything like that. Right. So we were in the dugout waiting and waiting. They were young guys. The militia was in there with guns and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and we were waiting for him to show up, so finally he did. I don't, I don't think I was pitching that day, but I don't remember. I also, I want to ask you about Milwaukee days. That had to be a great experience being in Milwaukee as a player, and also your off seasons there. And did you, uh, did you work in the? Uh, what did you do in the off season? Explain, because it's a different world, obviously, when you pitched uh, and played. What, 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 what was your off season like in Milwaukee? And um, and also Warren Spahn. I had a quick question about him. I remember talking to. Um, um, uh, uh, Chet uh, Chet Nichols. Yeah, uh, Chet Nichols' son about about going to Warren's uh, ranch for barbecue. So I got two things there: Warren Spahn, what was he like, and also your off-season job in Milwaukee. Well, I met uh, first time I went to spring training with the Braves was '53, uh, and I met Warren Spahn there. Uh, we were never buddy buddies, but I respected him. He came down to spring training. Every year, like he had to make the team, you know, he was real. He had he was in shape and he was ready to go right from the get go. Uh, he had he had uh, 
a lot of, uh, you could tell he was driven to be the best. And uh, he, he always took his, he had 30-something starts every year. He was always ready to go. And uh, by the time I saw him, he really didn't throw real hard. But he had a great uh, fade change, ball, change up, which he used on right-hand hitters. And uh, his curve wasn't all that great, but... He used it sparingly. Uh, so the thing I got from him was he was always ready to pitch and a great competitor. Right. Uh, which I should have learned about from him was just keep throwing strikes and you're gonna, you're gonna win most of the time. That's always been this. It's just, that's the key to baseball, even now. Throw yeah, strikes. It's one of those lost things that we sit and we watch, and uh, we don't look for guys who compete. We don't look for guys who are driven. We don't look for guys who throw a ton of strikes. Yeah, and also, um, Ray, what was that job you did in the off season in Milwaukee? What kind of work? Well, did you do? Uh, the people from uh, Miller Beer asked me to be one of their representatives in the in the uh, off season, and they had a they they uh compiled a a uh film of the season so after season we went around to all these churches and places that were interested in seeing a ball player and we showed the film and talked wow uh, anyway about Warren uh he won 362 games, but it shows his show. It shows his method because he lost 200 and something. <laughs> so he was just about going out there and competing and seeing see what would happen. Right. Yeah. Well, those. Uh, how many years did he pitch in the big leagues, Ray? Twenty. Didn't near he never, years. He never won a game before yeah. 25. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it, it's funny. I remember I always thought Blylevin, I was glad he finally got in. You know, you, well, you know, he lost a lot of games. It's because he pitched for so many years. My gosh, you know, and, you know, yeah. what, what, but he also won a ton of games and he was a hell of a pitcher. So, right. You know, Thing about Warren Swan was a story I heard in 1952 was there last year in Boston, and they only drew like 250,000 people. It's terrible, and they they were in last place. So Perini, when Warren Swan went in to sign his contract with 53, there was no agents or anything like that in those days. So of course he wanted the. They wanted to cut his salary, and he had no he had no reason not to do it because he I think he had a losing season, which you could figure that because the the, game, the team was terrible. So, as a concession, the guy offered him uh, a nickel for every uh, admission, 
Lawrence and Lorraine. <laughs> so they moved to Milwaukee, drove 250 million people. Oh, <laughs> made a fortune. That's great. Great negotiation. Hey, uh, Ray, under what circumstances did you meet Babe Ruth? Uh, well, I was playing American Legion ball. This was in, uh, in uh, August. And uh, we were in our, we were out practicing, not as hell. And uh, the coach called me over and said, Raymond, uh, get in the car, you're going to the airport. So I said, okay. <laughs> so uh, turns out they were having a uh, photo op at, at the Memphis airport in the tarmac. And that, that's the years when you just walked out the airplane onto the field. And uh, I got there and they were, uh, Babe Ruth had just came off the airplane. So we stood around and, and had the picture taken. Wow. I was right, I was right next to uh, Babe, but he, he had this cancer in his throat. And he was made guttural sounds. He wasn't very talkative. So uh, ten days later, he died. That was in that was in uh, August of fifty-eight. Wow. So that was in the last year of your play, your major league career. No, this is the last year. This I was a junior in high school. Yeah, Legion oh. for, forty-eight, right? Oh, 48. Okay. Yeah, that's 58, I'm sorry. Yeah. Ray, how cold was it at Seal Stadium when the team moved from uh, New York to uh, San Francisco? What what was that experience? Because I, th- I don't think people really understand oh, how difficult that was. I hated that place. <laughs> I don't understand why anybody that was a free agent would voluntarily go to that place. Because <laughs> you remember they... They went from there to Candlestick, which is worse. Yeah. Well, I remember Tim Flannery told me from the Padres uh, when we used to go up there, he, he was convinced that the one day that they showed Candlestick, because it was probably 12 o'clock in the afternoon because the wind wasn't blowing. That's a be. Yeah. So, and he would, when he would play in Candlestick, he would wear his, um, he would wear his, his surfing uh uh, gear under his uniform just to stay warm. So I think uh, it, it, it was amazing how cold it got at night there. I, you know, for uh, and then the, you'd have a day game the next day and it would be like 93 degrees and you would go, am I in the same stadium? I mean, it was unreal. For the first two years, they played at Seal Stadium, which was a triple A park. And that held 20 something thousand. It wasn't bad. It was right in the middle of town. And we used to sit in the bullpen with these big parkas on. That's the year that uh, uh, Stu Miller got left off the mound in the All-Star game. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yep. yep. I, was, I was a young man, but I remember those days. And you also in the trade. I think you was was Bobby Thompson in the trade with you when you were sent to San Francisco, uh, yeah. New York? Yeah. Yeah, we got Bobby Thompson in in uh, '54, and uh, we used to go. We went to to uh, St. Petersburg to play the Cardinals, and I was there. 
and uh, Bobby Thompson broke his ankle five in the second. So that's when uh, Henry Aaron played with us in in uh, the, the previous year in '53 in in uh, Ray. Did you play with Whitey Lockman at all with the Giants? And he played in Jacksonville with us. Okay. Henry played second base. Oh wow. Nobody ever knows that. Wow. I used to turn around when the ball went past me on my glove side and looked around. There was Henry. And uh, in Jacksonville, in the old park, it was kind of sandy. Yeah. And, uh, Henry would be on his, like, slide, his, his uh, front foot would be sliding to get the ball. And he he just take that wrist and go, whoop. Look at first. Well, anyway, when when uh, Bobby Thompson got hurt, that necessitated uh, the Braves to put Henry in right field. Pretty good move. Pretty good move. And Bobby Thompson, after he got well, he never he never produced for us for some reason or other. Ray. Uh... After playing with Henry Aaron, uh, did you ever see bat speed and swings like that through the year scouting that you could say, wow, he kind of reminds me of it, you, you know, a little bit. It, you know, I can remember at a game with George Zorro one time and there was a kid, a catcher throwing and he said, and it was uh, Ben Davis out of Philadelphia area and he could really throw, and he said, "This kid's not bench, but pretty close." And you kind of go, "Wow!" Uh, any hitters that ever reminded you of Hank a- after the fact? Uh, not really, because Hank uh, Henry made his move to the to the to the left on his left side, but his bat always was back. Yeah, and he had great wrists. Yeah, his wrists were incredible. Nobody would ever thought that he would be the home run king because he just never impressed you with his power. He never hit long home runs. He never hit he never hit more than forty. What was his secret, Ray? The secret was stand, staying back and having a quick bat. When you when you were out scouting for gosh almost fifty years, what were things that you looked for as as a former pitcher? What were some things you looked for in pitchers? In pitchers, yes, yeah. in pitchers, mostly, mostly the fact that they could uh, repeat their pitches, and they looked like they were in coming. You always weren't. You always was looking for somebody with command, which basically means uh, throwing it where you want to. Did you ever see somebody who reminded you of you? (laughs) Oh, that wouldn't have been hard. (laughs) (laughs) Who were some of the best young prospects that you saw out there? 
Well, you know, I saw uh, Roger Clemens at Texas, and that guy made the biggest turnaround I've ever seen because he was a good pitcher there, but he was – then the Red Sox signed him, and he went out like a house of fire and, and went to the – he went to the Florida State League and struck out everybody. He just – he just uh, – was an altogether different guy. And there was another guy on that team that I liked better was Seraldi. Yeah. And he didn't turn out to be half that good. He, he <laughs> didn't have the heart that Roger had. And you never can well. tell about guys. And, and uh, you can be a good scout, but you also got to be lucky. And kids do stuff that you don't imagine. That they do, and they and they also on the negative side, guys you think will be great don't turn out that way. Who'd you, who'd you get lucky with? Maybe somebody that you saw that nobody else agreed with. Oh, I don't know. I signed. Uh, do you remember uh, Will uh, Arthur Rhodes? Oh, I remember Arthur. I was uh I was a good sign. Big well, lefty for the Orioles. Yep. I thought he was gonna be go out and be a starter, but that's another thing about scouting. You never know about your uh player development people. Yeah. They can they can screw a guy up or they can help him. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. That's a great point. And you see well, that all you know, the time. there's you know, there's so many factors, you know, Ray, and, you know, all these kids, when we see them in our area, they're the big fish in the little pond. And now all of a sudden they go into a big sea and some of them are never the same guy. You know, they, they, they don't have the confidence. They don't have the drive. You talked about Warren Spahn earlier, you know, his heart and drive and desire to compete and win and, and just keep going. And some guys just don't have that. And we, we don't have a crystal ball ever to read that, I don't think. Well, another, uh, another factor nowadays, young guys go out and they got their iPhones. and they Oh, got, yeah. And They're more concerned with everything else but baseball. I don't think they really compete like they would ordinarily. Well, that that leads us to our last question. We we always ask everyone this question, and Kevin, Kevin, I do have one more thing I wanted to mention before we go into that. Just quickly, Ray signed Bobby Bonner, and here's another case of wrong wrong team at the wrong time, who probably would have won about eight or nine Gold Gloves in the big leagues as a shortstop, but he got signed the year after Cal Ripken Jr. So, um, and uh, they were going to move Cal to third, but Earl wanted to move Cal back to shortstop. And Bobby just ended up, you know, falling by the wayside, having a great life. He's a, he's a, uh, a missionary that travels the world as a preacher. Now he's one of the finest people I've ever met and played with, but Bobby would have won eight or nine gold glove awards. Had he played in the big leagues at this time? I mean, he was absolutely incredible defender. 
and he could hit he could hit more than enough too. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes sometimes it just doesn't turn out. Yeah. Yeah. Earl didn't want to mess with the rookies either. You know. No. No. But what happened was I always thought if Cal would have played third. You can find you can find a lot of good short defensive short stops. Right. But I don't know. It just didn't make sense. No. Good well, uh, you know, I thought Arthur Rose would be a heck of a, a starter, but the player development got a hold of him and took away his his uh is uh, wind up and all that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I was coaching at that time, and I had left and went to uh, Cleveland, and uh, people over there in Baltimore started taking the shortcuts where they were taking away guys' wind-ups, put them in the stretch. Once they put them in the stretch, they made them just a two-pitch pitcher, his fastball and his slider, which evolved him into a uh, reliever. Hard thrower, yeah, yeah, just a hard thrower and and not a pitcher. So, well, finally, Ray, finally, Ray, he made the All Star team a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, he made it a couple times. He had some nice. I was telling the other scouts, I said, I knew he would be an All Star, but I didn't think it would take twenty years. Right, right. He had a long career. Kevin, go ahead. Close us out. Ray, we, we always end our show with a question from Kevin, and it's a, kind of a signature of the show. And Kevin, go ahead and put that on. Ray, simple question. Answer it any way you want. What does a ball player mean to you? What does a ball player means to me? Yeah, what, is, what, is, what does it mean to be a ball player? Explain what you think a ball player really is. It means a guy that uh, pretty much sets his life. Uh, he wants to be a winner. Uh, he's a good teammate. Uh, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, Raymond, thank you for for. I really never thought of that. What's that? I really never thought of that. It's uh. What did it mean to you, Ray, being a being a baseball player? When you look back on it, what it did? Well, when I signed, uh, I had I had pitched four years of uh, prep ball, you know, high school ball, and three years of American Legion ball, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I when uh, when I signed. The guy in the newspaper said I'd won ninety something games. Wow! And probably was correct because it's hard to believe, but because uh, uh, our yeah. our legion coach had us playing all the time. We were traveling, right? And uh, oh, another another thing. That's kind of interesting. In 1956, we won the state championship for the Legion. So we were sent to uh, North Shelby, North Carolina for the regional. 
So I started the first game, and uh, it wasn't a evidently a good game because it was like seven to six or something like that. We went into extra innings, and I pitched eighteen innings. <laughs> uh, I think I just turned sixteen. Wow! And um, I didn't realize this. Later on, I found out I went from uh, the tenth inning to the sixteenth inning, no hit, no run, or something like wow. that. Wow, that's crazy! Yeah. I don't want to define it for you, but it sounds like you'd probably agree that the ball player to you is someone who competes. So when uh, when I signed, I was I was really enthused about going out because I, I had a lot of confidence, and uh, that's the kind of life I wanted. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Ray, thanks for coming on the show with uh, with us at Coaching Kern and Real Voices of the Game. It was a treat for our audience. I mean, he took him down memory lane all the way back to Babe Ruth and uh, up to modern day. You're certainly a treasure of the game. Uh, we're, we're, we're glad to, to pick your brain on this stuff. We'd love to have you back sometime. And, um, this is episode 85, Real Voices of the Game with Coach and Kernan uh, signing off right now. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie. Mickey and the Duke. Well, KC was winning. We'll come back. Where's my 